Church, can you hear me? Good morning, church. How are you today? Are you excited to be here? Good. I'm excited to be here. It has been over five years since I preached on a Sunday morning, so it's been a while. And since then, we've upgraded a real-sized pulpit. Appreciate it. Um, it's, this is like Jude and Graham size. This is awesome. Uh, really happy to be here this morning. Uh, it, is a, it is a mixed morning for me of celebration and fear, because I don't do this very often. And I'm hoping you're okay, because they've given me 45 minutes, jokes, 20 minutes to whip through this psalm. Uh, and, uh, and this is a psalm which I believe God has instructed us for this morning specifically. It, it, it's... it's Fallen into place, which I'm pretty excited about, including Ron's prayer, which you'll hear in a second. It's connected to what I planned out, and I didn't know Ron was preaching or, or saying that in his prayer. It's amazing to me that the Howells are here because we're going to talk about what it is to go into places for justice, and they are going into a place, the front lines for justice, and that is exciting to me. It is also exciting to me that this is a, a week that I picked before I knew what I was picking, and it's only an eight verse psalm. Going back to my days in school, this is the one I would have chosen. <laughs> that is a great thing to see God's hand at work, even if it is for me getting off easy. Today's a great day to celebrate. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I praise you for all the things you are doing in our midst, all the things you are doing in our families, in our lives. Lord, the instructions that you give us through your word to go on mission on your behalf. Lord, teach us for what it is to go out with boldness. Teach it for what it is to be under your authority. Lord, I'm thankful for your church. I'm thankful for the opportunity we have this morning to hear from your word. And Lord, I pray that you would receive all the glory. In your son's holy and precious name, amen. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a court of law. I have only done it a few different times, and I was never guilty of anything. I sat and watched and helped some people through some stuff. But what amazed me my first few times in there was, was just how the courts operate. If you've never sat in one, let me give you an idea. There's, there's um, a little bit like the principal hasn't walked into the classroom mindset. Uh, everyone's kind of just chitting, chatting amongst themselves. The bailiff's on Insta. You know, the, the people in the crowd are kind of talking amongst themselves. And then suddenly there's this moment where the judge walks in. And immediately we are faced with this idea of this person is running the show. This person is in absolute authority and everyone stops what they're doing and waits. It stands up and waits for the judge to take his seat. This is an image of what we're getting in this psalm. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't opened up your devices or, or, or your Bibles, Psalm 82 is a courtroom. Many of the commentaries that I read on this brought it to that example. And it was very helpful for me just to break it down as a, a court of law. We're sitting watching the judge, God, in ultimate control, in ultimate authority. And all of the watchers, and I'll get to them in a second, are waiting for his words of authority. In opening in verse 1, it says, God takes his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. What? I don't know if you, you're like, gods? What are we talking about here? What does it look like for God to be sitting in a council of gods? And then if you read closely, there's a little G, which is very helpful. God is ultimately the only God. He is the God. He is the, the authority over everything. So what does this mean? 
Well, as I read a little bit further into it, there were a few different interpretations, and I've picked one, but here's two of them that I didn't pick. The first one was, it is an assembly of angels or even demons that are sitting under his authority. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes some sense too. It's, it's, he is the ultimate authority and they sit under as divine people who are overseeing and in control and have authority in certain places that he has given them. Yeah, that, that made some sense to me. The second was, it was directed towards the pagan deities that many of the people in that time believed gave them power, gave them authority, gave them uh, life, gave, would bless them. These pagan deities that would be worshipped on the streets, it's, he's instructing them in that moment. Okay, that made some sense to me. But, but the third one, which I, I liked the most, was because Jesus actually quotes uh, this passage in John ch- uh, chapter 10, It is this idea that it is in reference to the human rulers and judges that despite the purpose to uphold the justice, to despite the purpose that they've had to lead the people, they have failed. And Jesus is calling them out and he's saying that that those people who are human leaders failed and he's referring to them as gods because the word of God they have received. They've heard the word of God, and therefore he's calling them as authority people who have the word of God in them. And for today, I'm leaning into that as my definition of who he's talking to. He's talking to us who know the word of God. He's talking to those people who know the word of God, and he's instructing them that there is a judgment coming. The psalmist goes on in verse 2 to lay out his case. In verse 2, he says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? This is what they've been charged with. Those sitting under his authority have been charged with the fact that they have been judging unjustly and showing partiality to the wicked. Maybe you can, maybe you can understand what it looks like because we've seen enough corruption in our day to understand what it is to judge without justice. These are people who are making calls that aren't thinking about the betterment of the people they've been called to lead, the betterment of the people they've been called to instruct and to encourage. Instead, they are looking at what they themselves gain out of it. They're looking at the bribes or the the opportunity they have for more power, and power corrupts absolutely. And so as they've received power, as they've received stature, they've used that instead of for what God has called it for, they haven't been just, they've been unjust. And they've taken the advantage of those who are maybe going to give them more power, those who are wicked, those people who bring power to them as well. They've, They've leaned into giving them a break. They've leaned into giving those who would give them opportunities or maybe more, more uh, favor in their eyes, more money. They've leaned to giving them more of a break. It does not take much to see that this passage immediately connects with who we are and what we're facing today. We see time and time again that corruption is part of authority that is all around us. And yet God has given us a different challenge. He's given us a different command. He's given us a different posture that we're to take. And then we hear that in verses 3 and 4. We understand that the accused actually had certain responsibilities. He states, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Fight for the rights of the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. He, he communicates exactly what they've been called to do in contrast of what they have done. There, there's a drastic difference. 
In verse 5, we see the results of their failures are not small and significant, but of massive impact on the people. In verse 5, it describes the people that they've been called to lead neither have knowledge nor understanding, and they walk around in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are shaken. The people that they've been given authority over, the people they've been called to actually care for and love, those people are lost. They're walking around without direction. They're walking around without understanding of what they've been called to do, and they're not given any truth. They have no justice in their life. And because of that, they're walking around in darkness. I read a quote from Spurgeon on this topic, and he said, when the dispensers of the law have ignored justice, society is unhinged. The whole fabric of the nation is shaken. Have we not seen that in our society? Have we not seen that with, with when we look around in our streets and look into our schools and, and look in some of the families that are around us? We are living in a society that is unhinged. And part of it is because those who have been given the word, those who have been dispensed the authority to lead and to share and to bring gospel, truth, hope, life into the mix of that, they're no longer speaking. They've become silent. A helpful way to look at that, and this is no shot at parents. I'm a parent of my own. Well, my parents are here, but I have, a, I have two kids, too. <laughs> parents have been given oversight. So we can see what this looks like if we look at parenting. Parents have been given oversight to lead and to teach their kids what it is right or wrong, to understand what it is to hopefully follow the Lord. They've understood what the, the morality of their family culture should be. Parents pass that down to their kids. We've all seen examples of when parents step away from that responsibility, the child becomes unhinged. That child becomes lost and, and, and has actions and behaviors that we go, man, that, that's just too bad that the parents stepped away from their responsibility in that moment. Another example could be when you see someone who's driving. Someone who's driving has been given the responsibility to handle the wheel properly, to not be distracted, to not let rage be part of how they drive their car. We've seen examples time and time again of people who get distracted from what they've been called to do as they drive. My friends, it's not hard to see that it is easy for us to be distracted because we want what we want. We want to do the things that we want to do more than the things that we've been called to do. This is why it sucks being an adult. This is why it's, it's, it's hard to make those types of decisions because it is not doing what you naturally want to do. It is refraining from that and budgeting well, eating well, sleeping well, going to work. These things are what adults do because we know it's our responsibility. If we decide not to do those things, our lives, our families will become unhinged. They will get lost and it would be a disaster. We see in verse 6 and 7 that God's judgment is severe. The psalmist goes on to say, You are gods, and all of you the sons of the Most High. But yet, like men, you will die and fall like any prince. See, it did not matter their power or their corruption or what they thought they brought to their own table. What mattered was what God intended for them to do. 
and all of their position and all of their authority in their community and all of their wealth and all of how people, ooh, look at that, that person, he's awesome. He's the funniest guy, he's the richest guy, he's got the best job, drives the nicest car, chariot, whatever. Those things mean absolutely nothing because we are clearly communicated that God does not look to those things with any favor. He looks to the way we live out the calling he has given us. And he is directly going to communicate that this punishment is just and it is direct. That those of us who decide on our own that we have a better way, those of us on our own who choose not to do what God has called us to do and not to look out for the weak and the needy and the, those who are needing justice, those of us who decide to take things onto our own and be comfortable there is a calling that we have that we will be judged in that way. And their punishment is death. Just like anyone who did never knew the word of God, just like anyone who never knew the truth, the punishment is death. This is a great celebration, you know, having so much fun. This is the word of God. And it's giving us a bit of a wake-up call in a number of areas that if, if we aren't listening and reading and obeying what God has commanded us to do for those who are in need, for those who are, who are craving and walking around in darkness but don't know how to be satisfied by truth, we as a church have a responsibility to go into those places and to bring truth and the gospel. And finally, in, in verse 8, and this is where Ron's prayer was, I was like, pfft. Okay, Lord, you got this. The psalmist finishes with a prayer. And it's a prayer for God to correct it all by judging the earth. Then it is, rise up, O God, judge the earth, because you shall inherit all the nations. And I wrote in my, my prep, perhaps this reminds us of when maybe we've been in those times of desperation. And we call out, come, Jesus, come. There's a point where we don't, have any hope because we see everything around us. We're like, God, it is only through your righteous judgment that we have a hope to get through this. It is only through your righteous wrath that we can get this mess cleaned up. Man, there's eight verses. I have an application. I've got a few. And let me be very clear. I, I as, as a pastor now as a, at the church, uh, I have been so challenged and encouraged and supported in so many ways by people who do this better than me. And so let me be very clear. This is not me. I know I'm standing. I'm already tall, but I'm now standing like 10 feet over you. This is not me saying, do this. This is me saying, let's do this. Let's do this together. So if you're like me, when you hear someone who's standing 10 feet taller than you and, and they say something, you finally go, oh, the walls, walls, defense, defense, defense. Don't talk to me. Those things. Don't do that. Let's talk about what this looks like together, okay? Because I'm learning with you on this. There's a clear message that God is desiring justice for those who are poor and weak and fatherless and destitute or those in need. And there's consequences into ignoring that. Matthew 25 says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. 
And then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then we will say to them, truly, I say to you, as you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This passage means a lot to me this last three years because we, we started a, a program three years ago in the midst of COVID called CIT, Community Impact Team. We've communicated it. It, it, it was great. We've, we've got a bunch of things happening still. And it basically came down to a point where an email came out to us saying, hey, there's, there's more need downtown than ever before. Churches, can you step in? And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll go with them, check it out. And so we sent down a little team of people I called up and we walked around and all you see are people walking around lost. All you see are people walking around who are completely broken. And my heart broke as the people who are around me's heart broke, and we realized we have to do something more. And so we started CIT, and the idea was let's just go downtown and, and start praying, and we would pray through this passage every time we went down just so we would have a heart for what it is that we are called to do. And we were, like, well, terrified would maybe put it a little too extreme, but... Some people were not very comfortable, those first few steps, those walks we would do downtown. And the idea was, I was saying to them, well, just go up, talk to people. And people were like, huh? What? Yeah, you know the, you know the, the, the person on the street that you've likely just walked around? Let's, let's go up and talk to them. Let's find out their name. Let's, 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 share, let's share some hope with them that day. In those first few walks, there was a lot of walking, a lot of praying. There wasn't a whole lot of conversing. And then there was a couple of moments where we, we started talking to people and they were wanting to talk to us. They were lonely. They, they wanted people to talk to them and actually build a relationship with them. And so we, it started getting a little easier. And now what we have after three years is, and this is, I mean, this is my favorite part. I love taking kids to Peru when we were in Peru and I'd love to see, I'd step back and let them do their They'd immerse themselves into communities, and I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. I get to see kids doing gospel work in places that they are super out of their element. I get to see some of our congregants every week going down and sitting amongst those who are doing drugs, who are starving, who are mentally unstable, who are homeless, who are incredibly in pain and in darkness. And they sit with them. And they hear their stories, and they hear their names, and they get the chance to share more of the hope of Jesus. See, I don't know if any of the stuff that we have done will make eternal differences. That is not up to us. That is all in God's hands. But what I can say is, I have seen people who are not more talented than the next person, no offense to you guys who are on my team, who are not more bold than any of you who have just said, I want to step into this gap. I want to take my time, and I want to take my, my focus, and I want to make it less about what I see in my world, and I want to be more about how to bring Jesus into theirs. Here's what's really cool. I, I mean, we have handed out hundreds of water bottles for those who are thirsty, and hot chocolate in the cold. We have seen hundreds of people be fed by meals that this church has provided. 
But what I love more than anything else is those people who are downtown have been prayed with hundreds of times. They've heard the gospel hundreds of times. They have seen and witnessed regular people loving them because we love Jesus. See, that's, that's really the key part to, I think, the application of this passage. It's, it's, it's the way we love Jesus is going to impact how we love other people. And it comes down to the gospel. It comes down to not just knowing the gospel, not just believing the gospel, but actually being the gospel in action. If you're here today and you do not know what the gospel of Jesus is, let me, let me break it down for you here. If you're here today and you've not received Jesus as your Savior, please know every single person here was once in your same shoes. We were all lost. We were all broken. And yet through Christ, we have been found. We were all led astray from God by our sin. And that sin, as we heard from this passage, God takes very seriously. And the Bible teaches us that the consequences of sin is death. And we saw that in our passage today, too. We were in a hopeless situation on our own and needed saving. But God did not leave us without hope. The gospel is the good news that God in his mercy gave us Jesus. His perfect son, who lived the perfect human life, had no sin and was the payment for our sin. He died for us who sinned against him to die the death that we actually deserved. And three days later, he also demonstrated the power to save when he conquered death and rose again. The Bible teaches us that if we repent of our sins to Jesus and have faith that he can rescue us from the death we deserve, he will save us. God demonstrated how important justice is to him by demonstrating the ultimate justice through his son, Jesus, on our behalf. Let me tell you, there are many times where my, us and the team, we, we're like, oh, Thursday nights, like, we're tired. But when you put the gospel at the center of that, I was once lost, and I have been found. I was once a darkness, and I am in light. I am a sinner who needs saving. I am broken. And it is only through the work of Jesus that I can stand here today. You want motivation to go and, and care for the needy. Remember that you once were needy. You want motivation to go and, and sit into a place where justice is needing to be heard and needed to be spoken. Remember that you needed someone once to share the gospel of truth to you. You, you want to be motivated. You got to get to the point where you put the gospel at the center of your day, in your heart, in your words, of your routine. How was I centered on the gospel of Jesus who saved me for his purpose, not my own? See, the world wants to tell us that the world and our lives should revolve around what we get out of it, what we want the most of. And yet, when you look at scripture and the gospel, Jesus demonstrated an incredible servanthood, an aptitude not for giving us more, but for giving us the ultimate gift, the ultimate gift of sacrifice, surrender, and example. The gospel, when we lean into it, 
humbles us to a point where we feel uncomfortable because there's always something more we could do, pray, and be about. Okay, so right now you're like, whew, okay, Graham, pull back now. Let me tell you something. The, the, the coolest thing about this is that it's not something that you are alone gifted to do by yourself. We can do it together. And it might be as simple as you starting to pray differently. It might be something for you to just start asking God some different types of questions. But maybe it looks like this. Maybe it looks like you jumping into a food drive that we're doing for the homeless. Maybe you're jumping into something, helping up the Northwest Resource Center, which is right now in our current climate, they have a 300% increase of families that they are supporting because of the, the food sources that aren't there for them in our local community. Maybe there's an elderly person on your street who is lonely, who's in need, who needs someone just to love them up, and you're stepping into that gap. Maybe you can join ESL and help someone new to Canada learn English and hear and learn the gospel. Perhaps there's someone in your class at school. Perhaps there's a neighbor that you know is just, they're lonely. Maybe they're a little weird, but aren't we all? And maybe you need to step into a gap that no one else is willing to step into because you have the gift of Jesus. I encourage you to start praying towards those ends. Asking God to reveal in your daily routine what does it look like for you to live out justice. Those people who joined into CIT, none of us went there expecting and knowing what to expect, but we go down there and it is more about our alignment to Jesus more than anything else. It allows us to see God at work despite of us and through us. That's an exciting thing to be on mission with Jesus downtown London every week. My encouragement to you as you look into these next few weeks leading into the kickoff to school, suckers, <laughs> is I encourage you to take some time and reflect. Reflect. Hey, how have my last few months been? Has my intention been about directing people towards the gospel or directing people towards what I want to accomplish? Have I taken my posture and gone into the community and demonstrated Jesus to my neighbors? Have I rolled my eyes when I see people in need? Or have I stepped into a gap? God takes those things very seriously. And I encourage you to do the same. Let me pray for us. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for how you stretch us through your word. Lord, give us strength and wisdom to live in faithfulness. Continue to give us through your spirit opportunity to care for those less fortunate. Give us compassion and mercy through your spirit. Lord, we ask that you would help us Keep perspective on your glory and your gospel and not our own. We thank you, Lord, in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.